Hello and welcome to Force Bikes. As always, I am your host, Jonathan, along with my co-host, Greg. Hey, guys. Greg, we got some special guests with us today. Yeah, uh, I'd love to have... introduce them. Um, Go for it. Uh, last last week, we introduced you guys to um, our our judge friend from Illinois, Jarrett. Hey there. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what he just said, but I definitely heard his voice. Um, hey there. Yeah, and then we also have um, Russ... Everybody hey everybody! And then, of course, our beloved friend from like one of the very first episodes, Max. Really? Actually, Max wasn't it was like, on. It was yeah, like that's, that's not true. Max wasn't on our first episode, but our he was on our pilot, pilot episode, that nobody heard. Well, Max he wasn't on our, Max actually wasn't on our pilot episode either. He was consulted during the break when me and Greg were recording the pilot episode, <laughs> and then we referenced him. We love Max. He's a Milwaukee player through and through. He was most recently, his most recent pro tour was Japan. Yeah. And he is uh, in grad school for getting his PhD in poli-sci, even though he's only like 19 or something. That's pretty cool. Let's get started. We have a great show for you today. We're going to go over some Mirrodin Besiege spoilers. We're going to also go over some people's thoughts about the tournament scene, upcoming events. We're going to go through some other fun stuff that we have planned for today. But before all that, let's give a quick introduction of what Four Spikes is. We are a show meant for spiky players, kind of tournament geared, are very interested in competitive play, although we enjoy having fun as well. We're not tools about it, but we definitely want to be more geared towards the tournament scene and... Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you will be also doing well on that scene. In the ch- in the chat, uh, Jared said, "Force Mike's motto: We're not tools." <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty relevant. We, that's awesome. <laughs> we're we're tournament goers that aren't tools. There yeah. we go. That's 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 our description. Okay, All right, I, works. I'm a tool. I got <laughs> I can vouch. I can definitely vouch for Russell, who is one See? of the nicest players around, but uh, a little toolish, you know. Greg, though, screw him. <laughs> Who yeah, advised that guy? That's a good point. I want to emphasize the kind of like getting on and you know being respectful and all that you know side of the the game too, and that'll help you be a better player because you'll get with better social circles and people respect you more, and you know life is a wheel of karma or something. Okay, so moving right along, that's who we are. We're spikes. This is uh, four spikes, and let's get started. Greg, uh, did, I think actually, that you, didn't have you have a, a some quick news story you wanted to tell us. Sure, I'll, I'll tell a quick story, and then and then we have some news from Greg that, that we want to hear. I just wanted to get it off my chest. It has nothing to do with magic, but that's okay. It's, uh, I don't have a TV at my apartment, but I have an awesome setup where I have a like, really nice projector. I have movie nights from time to time because my girlfriend and I are going through every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. We still have about 261 to go. Not just the ones that won, all the ones nominated for Best Picture since, like, 1921 or something. So, since I have an apartment and, you know, a fair amount of friends, I often have movie nights where I invite, you know, a good group of people over. We have some drinks, we have some... It's wintertime here in Wisconsin, so we have a lot of cocoa. Watch whatever, you know, whatever it is that night. Just watch The Shining. And if you haven't seen it, classic Stanley Kubrick, Stephen King horror film. It's like if those two got together and had an awesome movie baby, that's what this is, and it's great. I think it's my favorite Stephen King adaptation, and Stanley Kubrick is the master of building up the tension that he does. He's phenomenal. So watch this awesome movie. But, like I said, people come over, they're drinking, and the group was really in the mood for more of a fun time. A little piece of advice. If you're going to have this at your house... 
don't make it The Shining. It's got to be a funner movie. Princess Bride is fine, something a little lighthearted. But man, there's nothing worse than watching some of those like awesome tension-building scenes with the twins or you know with the blood gushing or any of that stuff, and having people crack like silly you know childish jokes throughout it. It was the worst. Total blowout. <laughs> it's basically just like getting mana screwed in a very high-level tournament. That's how it felt. Like, when, when you're in a later round. So, that's how we're bringing it back to Magic. Just thought I'd get it off my chest. One event. Haven't got to talk about it since last night. So, that's it. Moving right along. Greg, we got some news. Yeah, so, in case you guys haven't checked um, checked this out via, or haven't heard about this, um, and I don't actually know if all of the people on this podcast even know about this, but um, as of yesterday, Channel Fireball has a MTG cast, um, like, podcasts of the week. Set, uh, like segment, and um, for the for this last week, there are five podcasts that got on, and two of them were ours, our last two shows. Um, so uh, we're not sure if this is going to be a, if we're going to be a staple on there or not, but we we certainly uh, hope to be, and we certainly welcome all uh, all of the Channel Fireball guests from here on here on out. Uh, we we welcome you, and uh, yeah, that's that's the big news. We're we're along with uh, Money Night Magic, Scrubland, oh, and one more, um, somebody else. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on it, and I don't have it in front of me right now. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an incredible honor to have this this chance to to be on on Channel Fireball in this particular way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and oh, Mana Screwed is the other one. No, there's also dredging for humor, and we're huge fans of uh, Channel Fireball, as we've stated before. They're a class act all the way, and we're happy that they picked us up. Um, so we also just want to you know, give a quick shout-out to you guys, the listeners, because if you didn't listen to us and you didn't like us and uh, we didn't get, I guess, good ratings or feedback or whatever, I don't think they would have picked us up. So thanks so much to you guys. If you like what you hear and you enjoy this and you want to hear more, do us a favor. Tell one of your friends who plays Magic, or even if they don't, doesn't really matter. We'll, you know, convince them and bring them on over. But tell someone uh, or a couple people to check us out. And if you like what you hear, they might too. So our our goals are to expand the community and to to help the community. And the more people that listen to us, the more people that have an opportunity to um, to grow in that particular way. More people to join it. It's really you know. Well, ever since they dropped the the, I don't know how much of a chance they really had, but you know, we'll give them a little help. <laughs> yeah. They know Channel Fireball. So, moving right along, let's see, we have Grand Prix Atlantic. Yeah, so does someone want to go over that quickly? Or have everyone else covered Grand Prix Atlanta? I'm not sure. Well, I mean, we, I guess we can put a, we can put a link to the coverage in our show notes, but I mean, realistically, anybody that is listening right now, if you've got a chance, if you haven't yet, check out the Wizards coverage. There's actually some really, really cool content. Um, um, and actually... I wanted to give one one shout out. We don't really do shout outs that much, but um, somebody that's become uh, that we've referenced a few times, not so much by name, um, did really really well at this last event, and uh, I want to call him out for um, like awesome awesome technical play and preparation that put him in the the position to do as well as he did. And that's actually um, um, a good friend of ours, Owen Turtenwald, uh, who was the last undefeated. Uh, he was undefeated through day one, and then through actually, um, he knocked out—not knocked out, but uh, gave Craig Wesco his first loss and was the last undefeated at 13 and 0. So he had, he had locked up with two rounds to go. He had locked up um, 
top eight and uh, kind of went on to try and uh, dream crush a couple people to help some some friends out. Uh, didn't didn't actually do that well in in that regard. Um, lost two rounds. Um, uh, going, uh, you know, three games each, but uh, made the top eight. Played uh, Ben Stark. Uh, unfortunately, got knocked out. Um, and as and if you go to the coverage link that we'll put in the show notes, you can see the top eight. Top eight had a few um, few real notable names. Um, um, somebody that I didn't recognize. I don't know if anybody else on the cast actually recognizes um, Jason Ford. Does anybody know who that is? Nope. 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 All right. His name's so, been around, but uh, yeah, know, he's he's not he's not you know anyone of huge notoriety. Which is crazy because the field was stacked. I'll, I'll just run through it real quick. Like Ari Lax played um, Christian Valenti. Um, Christian beat Ari. Um, Owen played Ben Stark. Ben Stark won, then um, Ben Stark beat Valenti in the semis. Um, John Runyon played Jody Keith. Jody Keith beat him, and then Charles Gindy played well, Jason Ford. Former Pro Tour winner and U.S. national champion, Charles. Yeah, King. like crazy stacked. So Ben Stark and Jason Ford played in the in the finals. Um, I think Jason the... Ford was the one who built that awesome blue red deck. I'm gonna look that up, but I think that's what his name is. He from looks kind of familiar. Yeah, like he looks kind of familiar, which is why which is why I ask. Um, yeah, yeah, that not, that was not... yeah he yeah yeah in at the uh, New York uh, City. Uh, um, TCG play Wizard World Series. Uh, he got third slash fourth with that um, with the um, devastating. I mean, a destructive force deck. That's right. Cool. Yep. Um, Which yeah, I actually so, played in states and did uh, fairly well with. That was an awesome deck. So that's right. You did. You did. Uh, you did play that. And actually, the person that won our the Wisconsin states had a like really similar list as well. Yeah. Um, basically, the same kind of deck. Um, and I just lost to him. He was one of my two losses in a very close match, game three. You, you actually took you took ninth at that, yeah. didn't, didn't you? Yeah, just missed. But uh, <laughs> dagger. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That, that, <laughs> yeah, that that deck was awesome, uh, and and congrats to him. But yeah, big shout out to Owen. Good job. It's always nice to see our friends do well. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I actually I'll uh, I'm going to share a quick better player tip of the day speaking of that since we're on the subject and then we'll move into some other decks uh but when he got back we we cubed the other night and you know i hadn't seen him in a while and i said so one of the questions i asked was what was a mistake that you made during the during your play what was something you did wrong and he was able to think about it and quickly within a minute or so recall that he was playing against a fairies deck and he um, he was playing fairies yeah, and he was playing against another fairies deck, which got an early bitter blossom out, and he had creeping tar pit, and so he just swung, 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 and the third swing, for some reason, he played his played his muta vault pre combat. So the guy was able to cryptic command it back to his hand, draw a card, and not allow him to swing the next turn because obviously he comes to play tapped, and he'd already played his land for the turn. He went on to to win into top eight anyway, but it's a good lesson that everyone who's listening to this should keep in mind, uh, which is that to get better, you should be able to, after every tournament you play, if especially if you do well, if you do, if you do poorly, this is very easy, but especially if you do well, you should be able to think about it and find a weakness in your game, something you could have improved upon, even if it's a little more subtle or 
a little more glaring, think back to that mistake and what you'll do next time to prevent something like that or doing that same thing again. It's, it's easy to remember how well you played. It's much better to remember how poorly you played and what you need to do to improve upon that for your next match. Just a little uh, tip of the day, but let's get on to something fun and talk about some cool decks that are out. Greg, do you have some in mind that you wanted to talk oh, about? Sorry, my, my uh, thing was on mute. Uh, oh, sure. I don't have specific callouts, um, with with one exception, I guess. Uh, I th- I thought that the top eight and the final standings weren't really truly representative of how the tournament went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning of the top eight, like like the, the decks that made it to top eight, were fairly representative. But fairies fairies didn't make it out of the the first round of uh, the top eight. Mm-hmm. But there were a number of of fairies players that did exceptionally well. Um, yeah. Uh, there was there was, just, there was there were a number of players that were um, hovering at that X one um, X two um, level that that in some cases didn't make make top eight that just did very very well with the deck and I think that um, by percentage fairies probably had um, had like the the largest swath of the field I actually um, I think I saw some stats after day one of um, how many players were playing different decks? And I think fairies actually did have the largest amount, with Valakut being pretty high up there as well. Um, and e- so, I guess as a result of that, it's easy to say, well, you're going to get some percentage of the field that's that's going to do well. But I think that there were a number of of really good pilots that um, that f- like played each other, like fairies v fairies, and as a result, there are there are losses that that. Um, that had to rake up for some of the fairies players, um, but I think that though fairies didn't represent a huge amount of the top eight, I think that fairies was, um, you know, is probably going to be a little bit underrated based on some of the people that are just looking at the the top eight results, some of the top eight standings. Um, so that that was that was the the, the one call out I wanted to make. Um, other than that, Wargate seems to be doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, did anybody else um, watch the coverage or have like um, thoughts on on the format? I mean, one surprise for me was that j- the format seemed very different than how the metagame has generally been on Magic Online recently, which is that it's gotten much less friendly for fairies just because there are lots of Vengevine decks running around. Mm. Online or, or or online? I wasn't out at Lambda, okay, okay. but. Which is just kind of a tough matchup for fairies. So, I, the format is kind of turned against fairies, but it still basically gets got played by a number of, of fantastic magic players and was almost half of the top eight, which I just speaks to the ridiculous power of that deck. It's it's an incredibly powerful deck, and it doesn't have it's like its mana base isn't weak like Jund. It's got a lot of uh, very unfair things that it does. Right, being able to tap out your opponent at instant speed with a four four flyer. Um, you know, a lot of, like, Cryptic Command can just be unfair, especially if you can chain them. A lot of very unfair things that that deck can do, although it's very susceptible, like I said, to Vengevine, to very aggressive creature decks. You know, uh, Red has a good has a good go at it. An interesting point that Sam started brought up last time, uh, last, last uh, episode, was that uh, it seems like the metagame is shifting, but it's still pretty aggressive against fairies and while it may be in a vacuum the most powerful deck because of the makeup of the rest of the field it's uh under considerable pressure 
and uh, isn't and and you know to Greg's point maybe that's part of why it's not performing the way that you know some might expect it to. I think I think right now the various fauna shaman decks are in in a very good are in a very good place though they can obviously be hated out just because they're very fast which allows them to put pressure on fairies but then they also can be built in a way that they beat the other kind of mid range creature decks. Yeah, and you're playing that. You're playing. Uh, you're I'm, playing, I'm playing Naya, but the Fauna Shamans and Jund are fantastic too. Just your ability to either just throw Kitchen Finks at another creature deck or just get them with demigods. Oh, oh, actually, the one cool deck that I saw this is just on Star City that I think Ali Antrazi was playing involved using Master Transmuter to drop huge artifact beaters. Okay, we're, that sounds awesome. We're gonna bring yeah, I, I definitely have heard of that Master Transmuter um, possibility. Yeah. And, yeah. and people have theorized about that for a while now. I've actually been buying those up when I get a chance to because I think that there's a lot of potential for that card in the, the longer formats. You know, anytime you get a, a card like that that has a really uh, unique effect, um, when it interacts with a larger card pool, some of the, the possibilities really get explosive yeah. to a, a card that could have been completely play, unplayable in standard suddenly becomes just ridiculous in a, a format, you know, when it makes a switch to extended or something like that. So I have heard of, of possibilities like that. Yeah, okay. no, this is, I'm looking at it right now, which is, it's on the Star City, not the premium, but just the, I forget oh, what. It's one of those thousand year elixir decks. It's got thousand year elixir, <laughs> got some, running some main deck Kuldatha Forge Master and send triplets. <laughs> Good stuff. Absolutely. That is hilarious. Okay. We're going to run through this deck quickly because it's awesome. And we'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, I, I go with the second list in the article because... Okay. Four Everflowing Chalice, three Thousand Year Elixir. And for those of you who, for some strange reason, may not what? know what Thousand Year Elixir does... card do. Thousand Year Elixir, three colorless mana artifact. You may play activated abilities of creatures you control as though they had haste. And for one, and tapping Thousand Year Elixir, you can untap target creature. So right. the point is, is you get this out, and you can get your Forge Master up and running, or your uh, Master Transmuter right away. Um, right. You could even do it multiple times. Um, I, I remember playing against the deck like this online, and they played that, I'm just like, whatever, it has Summoning Sickness, it's dead. Nice eight drops in your hand. But if you have this out, <laughs> they could just... Get, they could just drop like a right. Sphinx of the Spiel win before you have priority. Wow, this is fascinating. We are going to definitely put this up. Okay, so four Everflowing Chalice, three uh, Thousand Year Elixir, four uh, Ethereum Sculptors, one Fairy Mechanist, four Kaldotha Four Magic, ma- uh, Masters, four Master Transmuters, one Mirror Battlesphere, one Sphinx of the Steelwind, one Sphinx Summoner, two Worm Coil Engines, three Path to Exiles, one Mox Opal, two Shroom the Hegemons, four Preordain, and then for lands, it's got six islands, four arcane sanctums, two dark slick shores, three mystic gates, four reflecting pools, uh, three sea chrome coasts, and three sunken ruins. And Think about how ridiculous that deck's going to be when uh, Besieged comes out and they get access Blight to that. Iker, well, not only that, but the Iker Wellspring, where oh, yeah. it comes into play or leaves play, you draw a card. Oh, that's, that's one of my awesome. cards. Holy I, cow. I think it's Graveyard. I think it's put in a Graveyard. Yeah, it is. But, but is it still, put in a graveyard? It's gonna be. But this is what I want to run it in. Is it's gonna be really good in that time sieve deck. Yeah, so yeah, you can bring for that sure. back for because sure. it's exactly what it's looking for, and it's a strict upgrade from the other two casting cost artifacts. It's so much card. better than Absolutely. Flagstone. 
What's yeah, that? the Kaleidostone, definitely. Yeah, or exactly. It's a strict, up, strict upgrade from like a Kaleidostone. Um, and I think that that Time Sieve deck is going to show up now. And I think it's going to rip a couple uh, tournaments off. Like, it's very easily disruptible. And therefore, I think it's just going to come out of the blue, knock knock out a couple tournaments or maybe just one, and then uh, and then go away again because people are going to remember that it's super easy to take apart. You heard it here first. Yeah. Let's go over that card quickly so the listeners know, and then and then we'll get into the rest of the spoilers Which card- section. Uh, Max, you want to say what it does? Um, if I can remember what we're talking about, yes. Yeah. What card? <laughs> It's, uh, Icker... Oh, yeah, so it's Icker two, Wellspring. For, it's Wellspring. two for an artifact. When it comes into play, you draw a card. When it goes to the graveyard, you draw a card. So, it doesn't have any way to get itself to the graveyard, so it just it just cantrips when you play it, but then if you have some way to get value from sacrificing an artifact, you're suddenly up a card. Right, yeah, so it's it's great for time, Steve. Now, let's, uh... Is there anything else we want to cover, Greg? Is there anything else that we're missing here, or can we move on to our favorite section, uh, section the spoilers? Yeah, no, I think, I think, I mean, we, we, we touched enough on Extended, and uh, we got our shout-outs in, so let's, okay. let's move on to the, the fun that is uh, talking about spoilers. Um, I'm sure you guys will, will enjoy this. Um, who wants to start? I would like Jared to start, even though okay. he's been kind of dominating the conversation up to this point. Okay, uh, well, the card I'm most excited about, for Limited anyway, is uh, Viridian Corruptor. Like, that guy is insane. So what, is that, what does that guy do? Uh, he's, uh, what, what is that guy, Manic Vandal, or the old one? Utopia uh, Rangitang! Yeah, that one. Viridian Shaman is the one yeah. that came out of Mirrodin. There you go. Um, he's that guy with Infect, uh, and all, his drawback is that he costs double green, I guess, but he's, like, an insane, he's, like, Vindicate for Infect decks. It's yeah. one double green for a 2-2 two, two Infect, when it comes into play, you blow up an artifact. Okay, so, Jared, so you're saying it's, like, a Vindicate because... Well, destroy a target artifact is just insane in this mm-hmm. format. Absolutely. Yeah, I love, I love yes. two for ones. Like, Infect needs more stuff that combos with liquid metal coating. Like, uh, that protection guy, the 3-1. Yeah, the Tal'Jalad uh, Fallen. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that card's playable, kind of. So, yeah, so it's 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 very good. It's an uncommon. It's, it's a great card, and it's going to be phenomenal and limited. And, and I think it's possible it could be constructed playable, too, actually. Depends what happens with green infect. I could see sideboarding him against Sword of Feast and Famine. And yeah, you're right. If if you're a black green infect deck, you don't want to be facing down the other side of that. You want a good answer to him. Okay, so who is next, Russ? Uh, so my, my first uh, pick on the list was Into the Core. Uh, it's a red instant for red red two, exile two target artifacts. Um, this is uh, really interesting. For a number of reasons, the exile part is probably the thing that gets me the most excited, and and especially the it's obviously going to be incredibly useful and limited. Um, but the real use for this is going to be in uh, some of the more casual formats like EDH. Uh, the ability to exile is definitely something that doesn't come around very often, especially in red. And uh, getting rid of of two things, you know, in in EDH, you're always looking for two for ones, and uh, this is very clearly that. And it's an uncommon. Uh, okay, sure. Uncommon. Yep. And uh, it's also I, I a really red think that it's card. Yeah, that's worth mentioning. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point because it is going to be faction based. So that one is Phyrexian. Um, right. so, so it will not be available in your Mirrodin or your Mirin pre-release packs mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who choose the Mirin faction. So if your opponent is playing Phyrexian at the pre-release and also playing red, they're probably going to blow you out with that card. Exactly. Could very well be. 
Exactly. And it's also interesting. I like that pick, Russell, because uh, exiling two artifacts is so much easier to knock out Metalcraft in this format than exiling one. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, that's definitely a good pick. It actually reminds me of another card. There was a red instant for two and a red. That yeah, Rack and Ruin from Urza's yeah. Legacy. Yep, that's right. Yep. And uh, this is just so much better. I would gladly play, pay that extra one mana, uh, that extra one red, to uh, get those removed from the game. So, so uh, this, card, this card can't kill only one artifact. Correct. Correct. No, two targets. But realistically, though, if 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 you're if you're playing like red, like an infect strategy, or even even some fraction strategy that is an infect, for example. Um, yeah. If you are facing down not two artifacts, <laughs> you're probably doing all right. I, I, don't, I don't know of, of, a, of a board where there's only one artifact that you're opposing that you're not doing all right, or you shouldn't be playing the card at all. Like if you're playing against like an infect mirror, you probably side this card out. Um, right. Well, you don't want to. You don't want to. Ha- like the only thing, the only situation like that would be if you're like got a hellkite charger or something, some bomb like that. But in almost every normal situation, that's right. And even and, and if that's the case, then then you get rid of one of your own spell bombs or something. You know, you you, you sacrifice mm-hmm. one of the artifacts you've got because it's really highly unlikely that um, even if you're playing infect, the that there's only one artifact on the battle. Well, you could just target your spell bomb and then sack it in response. It'll still exile their yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so Greg, uh, let's move on to yours. So. Um, I'm actually going to steal a little bit of thunder because this is something that somebody else also picked. But I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to move it to the front of the line because this card is well. First of all, it's my favorite card in the set. But to a high like to a higher notch, this is like one of my favorite cards um, ever. Um, it's going to tell tell you a lot about me, I think. But uh, it's called Black Sun Zenith. It's one of the um, Sun Zenith cards. Uh, there's a there's one for each of the each of the five colors, and the black one is a sweeper. So um, the cost is black black X. Um, it is one second. It's a sorcery speed. So black black X. Um, it's a rare sorcery. Put X minus one minus one counters on each creature. Shuffle black sun zenith into its owner's library. So a few things to note. It's a sorcery. It's a rare. Um, the the X the the number of minus one minus one counters is is um, well all of those counters are permanent. Now it does have it's not just um, the opponent's creatures it's all creatures, but so what? <laughs> it's a black sweeper that um, if for whatever reason there's like a there's like a bomb on on the field that's on your side or whatever and you kind of want it to to stay alive, it's um, it's still like I don't know. I, I just think this card is is well designed and fun. The fact that it shuffles itself into owner its owner's library makes like me want to build um, fun decks around it. And I don't really play like EDH or any other fun formats. This card this card seems broken in like most formats I can think of, with the exception of of eternal formats. Obviously, well, I don't know if I would call it. Broken. Well, it's not def- broken. Like like fun from a fun perspective. Yeah, it's I, definitely I, a fun I, card, and it's right. it's also good. The shuffle effect that you referenced is going to be relevant. I think if it goes into the black blue deck, because with Jace, one more shuffle effect is always something you're looking for. True. But, um, but Jarrett, uh, this is also your pick, so I want to hear from you why why it was why it was your pick as well. Although 
as Greg stated, it's pretty obvious it's an awesome card, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it also has one of the best arts in the set. Like, just looking at the card is just pretty awesome. Sick. Yeah. It's it's also the uh, the top eight promo for game days, like the full art foil. Ooh. Yeah. Wow, you just you just convinced me to to to, to put together a standard deck. <laughs> <laughs> the other one's Treasure Mage, and it looks awesome. Um, but yeah, I, this card is great. Uh, it's probably going to replace Mutilate in my EDH deck. Uh, I, whoa, I might actually put buddy, Necroskitter back. Slow in. down. Replace Mutilate. Come on. Well, let's, you know, yeah, let's be fair here. You can run them both. It's going to add to Mutilate. Yeah, but Come every on. time I cast Mutilate, like it always kills my stuff. And plus, if you cast this with Necro Skitter out, it's like <laughs> pretty stupid. I, I just took your stuff. <laughs> Sorry. I also like that it gives them minus one, minus one counters as opposed to just minus one, minus one. Yeah, the permanent, the yeah. permanent portion of well, that is. And I think a lot of people who really are kind of responding to this card on the 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 podcast uh, sphere are kind of forgetting that. You know, a lot of people are kind of comparing this unfavorably to infest and saying, you know, it's it, if you cast it at four, it's like a crappy infest. And that would be true if the counters didn't stay around. So, or if infest did counters. Yep. Which is so just what, better. Though the one thing about the counters is it makes it worse at only at killing your opponent's little stuff and leaving your big stuff around because if you, have, if you have a grave titan in Cathy, you're something to have like a two-two grave titan, which isn't so which great. is why it's an which is why it's an awesome like mirror sideboard card where you where you play it against grave their grave titan and then you cast your own. True story. And I mean, then it's, it's it's pretty sick. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely going to be fun. Oh, it's um, no, it's it's fantastic and. Um, it's okay and limited, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> might make a, str- might, might make a, like, a soft 23rd. <laughs> might just run an extra land over it. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is, this is the one, one card that makes me, like, really want to play Phyrexian. I mean, we're not really talking about that, it's not on our show, oh, but, like, oh, I, was, I, mean, I, was I haven't using decided on it. I'm pretty sure it was later on our show list. Fair enough. Speaking um, of later on our show list, that's a good point. Max... I think we got to move on to yours, because... Okay. Yeah, so, uh, the card I picked as my number one choice was, in particular, Phyrexian Vatmother, but kind of there as a representative of finally getting constructed playable Infect Dudes. So, Phyrexian Vatmother is two black-black for a 4-5 Infect, but it's basically like a Juzum Jin in that every turn it gives you a poison counter. So, first of all, it's just pretty awesome on its own, because it effectively kills your opponent in three swings, kills their, like, thruns or whatever, makes the creatures it fights with sucky forever, and it's just awesome. But also, as kind of the top end of an infect curve, you can finally, in Constructed, make an infect deck that's not just play some two drops, hope your vines of the vast would get there. And I think that's going to make things potentially very interesting. So it's kind of also sitting here... Standing in for Septic Wrath, which is the 2-2 two, two, that's a 3-3 three, three if your opponent has a Poison Counter, and also um, the Phyrexian Crusader. People are saying, well, what about Arrest? What about Pacifism? Da, da, da. But people aren't running those. I'm not worried about dying to this guy. Also, the other thing is that even if they're running that, unless they're playing in fact, it still means that, that you have to be sitting around doing nothing for 10 turns. Yeah, it's really slow. Like... Unless they're playing, in fact, the first nine poison counters are a free roll. Right. That's true, unless they're running proliferate. Yeah, I think with the, the number of proliferate cards that are being introduced just by this set, I think that that's 
a dangerous uh, a dangerous point of view to have, I think. I mean, but what proliferate? I mean, we may talk about this later. I'm not sure. Are there really any like constructed proliferate cards in this set? Well, I, I think that if you look at a black blue. Uh, version of the infect deck that uses a lot of the infect artifact creatures, and you take uh, things like Steady Progress and run them alongside Tezzeret, I, I think very quickly you'll find uh, room to put some more of those proliferate cards in. You know, if you're if you're using a lot of the pro- proliferate or the uh, infect artifact creatures, Throne of Geth all of a sudden becomes playable. Um, oh, no, no doubt, but that's still. Like, if you're playing against another Infect deck, the drawback is suddenly real, but it's kind of paid for by the fact that your dude is the biggest, is one of the biggest, baddest dudes on the block. I was just saying that in, it's kind of a free roll against the non-Infect decks in the format. Gotcha. Sorry. Okay, so, moving right along, uh, it's my turn. I basically, first of all, got the last pick out of all these, because <laughs> um, my... Uh, Google Docs weren't opening up quickly, but I still am not picking the best tournament playable or spiky cards. I'm just picking my favorite and potential applications in my cube and other things. So I'm going to go with Spread the Sickness for this pick. Uh, Spread the Sickness is a sorcery. It's four and a black. Destroy target creature, then proliferate. So it's an unconditional creature removal, and you also get to proliferate. Uh, a lot of black removal, especially in my cube, uh, doesn't kill black creatures or has other like little conditions, but I like that this is unconditional. I don't like that it's a sorcery as opposed to an instant, but the proliferate just seems like it has so many cool applications. I like the creativity that this type of card um, allows for. Um, although I'll agree it's probably not the most powerful card in the set, it's one of my favorite because it seems like a fun, interesting card that you can do a lot with. I think the card's good. I think, um, in terms of being cube worthy, I would, I would, I would want it. To, I mean, I think that it would be fun to play with, so it's probably worth worthwhile in, in a number of cubes. But being like universally cube worthy, I'd, I'd want it to be either instant speed or more aggressively costed. Um, but I do think that it's interest. It's it's like a, it's a good card. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to play in limited. Um, so good in limited. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I mean, I, I've played. We've played Weed Strangle in limited, and this card's just better. <laughs> <laughs> Weed Strangle, which one was that? Uh, three black black sorcery, destroyer creature, then clash. If you win the clash, you gain some life. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so moving along, Jarrett, we got one from you again. What do we got? Oh, you just got taken off the call. No, I'm good. Sorry. I was muted. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <bad>. knowledgeable. <laughs> is just a crazy card. It uh whenever anyone casts anything, actually when it comes into play, you exile the top how many? Like 3. 3 of each player. Yeah, e- each player exiles the top 3 cards of their library and then whenever anybody casts anything, um instead of that spell, you exile it and then you get to cast something from the pool. Uh and I I think that's like the craziest thing and just fun. Definitely. So Knowledge Pool is an artifact, and how much does it cost to cast? Six, and it's a rare. Okay. Mirren yeah. artifact. Mirren artifact. Yeah, so clearly garbage and limited, but so fun in EDH. Now, as a judge, is there any particular reason why you'd be inclined towards a card like this? Oh, as a judge, I hate this card. <laughs> I was going to say, doesn't, doesn't this card make you, like, no. groan? I'm going to be gonna so say, miserable. You're probably going to get a lot of questions if anyone ever uh, actually plays this card. I can't wait for, like, Flashback and Buyback and Cascade. And 
oh man, what happens with Knowledge Pool? And then I just leave. <laughs> okay, so what if there's a March of the Machines and Opalescence and, and a, a Hive Knight <laughs> and Eye of the Storm <laughs> and six Humilities? <laughs> and Jared says, I think somebody's calling me over there. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to gonna pass this off to some judge I hate. I'm going <laughs> to... Okay, so knowledge pool, pretty cool. Any other thoughts on it? <laughs> it's like, where do we go from there? <laughs> Besides giving judges headaches? Uh, okay, uh, Russ, how about you? You got the next pick. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, next pick is Treasure Mage. Uh, this is a creature, blue 2-2. Two, two. It uh, its casting cost is blue 2. And let me just see, is this Mirren, I think? Yeah, Mirren guy. Uh, Treasure Mage, when it comes into play, you search your library for a, an artifact with casting cost six or more and put it in your hand. So it's like the sort of the reverse of the cost end of Trinket Mage, which we got in the first set of uh, Mirrodin. Um, I, I think this is really going to be interesting and constructed, uh, limited, uh, you know, certainly the ability to get uh, some playable six drops, Dark Seal, Sentinel, um, any of the, the bomb artifact creatures like uh, uh, Steel Hellkite or Worm Coil Engine. In constructed, the ability to get that Worm Coil Engine, I think, is going to be useful for the blue-based uh, control decks. Uh, White-blue especially, I think, is going to uh, start running this guy, and then just, uh, you know, one or two Worm Coil Engines as their, um, their finisher. I think it's definitely an option for um, for that deck. So. Sounds great for that extended deck that guy was playing too, like two drop from your battle sphere. Totally. Yeah. Um. Question: Do people think that if you have like one or two treasure mages, you want to play one of the terrible seven drops, like the seven for a six four and limited? Uh, it makes it more tempting, but then you just uh, have to punch yourself in the face because you're playing you a seven. that card. Razorfield <laughs> Thresher. Razorfield Thresher. <laughs> Greg, Greg, did you just say that you love that card? <laughs> I said, what if you actually, oh, if it's in okay. your deck, you might actually naturally draw that card. That sounds okay. atrocious. That that um, does sound atrocious. Yeah, because then you'd have to run multiples of them. Agreed, agreed. In order to make Treasure Mage really worth it. But, I'd like to point out, that's all fine and well, but you know what it does actually fetch up? Knowledge pool? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Going in Arkham Dagson. <laughs> okay, so that's true. Right, Treasure Mage does seem like a pretty interesting card with some uh, potential uh, applications for Constructed. But, Greg, you have a cool card coming up. Yeah, so um, it's called Galvanoth. Galvanoth is a rare. It costs three red-red. It's a creature beast. It's a 3-3. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may, you may look at the top card of your library. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Um, yeah, that seems that seems sick to me. Is uh, it, it seems is like, it constructed playable? I, I think so. You I gotta wish build it around four. it. What was that, Max? I wish it had four butt. Like yeah. I wish it did not die to lightning bolt. Yeah. Although lightning bolt isn't really played. Like, don't get me wrong. Like that's it's a very valid point and. Lightning, if it were to start being played, it would be, you know, Lightning Bolt would be a card that would start coming in. But there, really, there's not a lot of red in the format right now. So, 
currently the relevance of Lightning Bolt hurting it isn't all that crazy, especially because if you if you think about it, you, you probably play this. I mean, what what type of deck do you play out of it? I mean, I think like with a red green, red blue deck. Sorceries. What's that? You play it with big greedy infants and sorcerers. You don't play it with a lot of slag storms or X spells. None <laughs> <laughs> of that. Good call. Good call. Sometimes, well, wait, but if you get an instant with Kicker, you can pay the Kicker, right? Yes. You can, and it's May ability. May ability. So you don't, like, you can be you can be greedy with an occasional X spell if you were to come up with, like, a, a list where you had one X spell and you're like, oh, my God, I really want to play this. You're not, you're not going to get totally blown out by it because it's a May ability. But more importantly, you could common store like 15 different things for zero. <laughs> <laughs> Kill every phantom beast. Exactly. Oh. It's. I don't know if it's playable and constructed. It doesn't feel like it. It seems like it's a lot of investment for something like that. It seems like an amazing uh, card for other formats. Uh, EDH, I think, is going to eat this card up. Um, Limited. Intent the Dreamer, like a uh, top of library matters deck. Oh, 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 right, 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 right. Sorry, I'm not uh, not a big commander player myself. Remember it's okay, we forgive you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. An EDH deck like that, uh, it, it's good with. Um, and yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it's it's going to be one of those cards, I feel, that's value is going to be raised because it sees a lot of play, although I don't know if that'll be in, in like standard or extended or anything. But It does, maybe... it does cost five. I, I mean, because when I was... Five plus three, three is fine and limited, though. Yeah. Yeah. No. In limited, I, I think in limited, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. I mean, definitely playable. I mean, definitely good. But um, I was thinking that you, it would be like that you could kind of build around it in standard. And I'm, I'm, I'm maybe backing down from that just because red, uh, something that costs five in red is pretty late to the game. Even if you, even if you build um, like a red, like a red blue, uh, more permission focused type deck. How valuable is the permit? I mean, is permission being able to <laughs> to be cast during upkeep not very? Uh, so obviously, I mean, it, that's not. You can use it to cast John's John's next card. Uh, true story, and that is a good segue. But Max, you're ahead of me, so we're gonna have to hear yours first. Okay, we well, could also use it to cast my next card, but that's not so good. Um, <laughs> so my next card is Phyrexian Rebirth. It's four white white for a sorcery. It destroys all creatures, and then you get a XX. Let me figure out what find out what the token is. It's a colorless artifact horror. It's a, a an XX colorless hard artifact horror where X is equal to all the creatures you just annihilated. Um. So this is just the kind of card I really like. I loved Marshall Kubak not that long ago. Desolation Giant. And I also think it's, well, I mean, first of all, it's the Stone Blade in, in Limited. Hold on, what's a, what's a Desolation Giant? Desolation Giant was two red-red for a 3-3, three, three, and when it comes into play, it destroys all your creatures, which is pretty terrible, but then it has Kicker of White-White to destroy all creatures instead. Huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was from... Apocalypse. Apocalypse and also... Yeah, that, that guy's in your cube, John, just so you know. That's true, that's true. <laughs> I drafted him last time. I did not play that set, though, so I, I took some time off. It was, it was also in Time Spiral. All right, no excuses. Okay. I think one thing that's just interesting about this card is whether you want to play it or Sunglassed Angel, because they both basically blow up a lot of stuff and leave you with a big, a big monster. Well, Sunglassed Angel is one-sided. Although this is unconditional. 
This is unconditional, so if your opponent plays like a primeval titan, you can kill it without them getting two more land. And I think there are a couple there are a couple downsides though. First of all, it costs six. Six for right. wrath is pretty steep because you can't it's it means it's harder to keep um counter magic up. Um and second, that you, when you referenced in, in comparison to Marshall Coup, when I first saw it I thought it was like, Oh, it's like Marshall Coup and I was really excited and then I realized that it's not X um X X creatures. It's only oh one. Oh my god. So like I was like I was like, Oh, that's why it costs so damn much. Oh no, it's not no, okay. Not that insane. Um no, that would probably cost something along the lines of twelve instead of six. <laughs> no, it could just cost like XX white or something like that. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. I mean, like, what, what goes through your mind the first time that you read a spoiled card sometimes can be, like, falsely terrible or falsely amazing. And in this case, it was falsely amazing, unfortunately. Right, no, I mean, I'm not sure if it's going to see play in standard, but I think it's going to be awesome in block, just because it's this big, greedy, really powerful card, that, and those are often what you want to play in block. Yeah, it's it's, it's super block. good in limited. Oh, no, it's, it's, I think the best card in the set in limited. Really? Yeah, I think it's better than the Black Zenith, and but I can't think of anything other than that that's better than the Black Zenith. Better, I mean, hmm. Oh, maybe the Worm, actually. The Worm. Yeah, I think in this format, the Worm is, is. Oh, the worm's yeah, fake. I agree. Yeah. But, uh, I, I'll tell you what it's really good at. Um, the mythic, uh, green rare that makes zero one plants and gives them plus one plus one whenever you landfall. Avenger of oh, Zendikar. Avenger of Zendikar, yeah. thank you. Like, the amount of blows on an Avenger of Zendikar is significant. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun to see. If if that ever happens and you are witness to that, that's definitely uh, that, that's a, that's right. a triple I, fist pump. That's pretty cool. I mean, I think basically it's in standard, you're just going to want Day of Judgment over it. But if you want, say, more than four days of Judgment, it'll, like, playing two of these could eventually be very useful. Uh, I could see running something like three and two, um, because sometimes you're going to have the extra mana. Uh, oh, so much. And the guy dies to Doomblade, though, too. Yeah, but you wrathing them and then them also having to spend a Doomblade to get rid of that extra, the bonus you got from wrathing them still seems pretty solid. Yeah, they're wasting some of their yeah, mana. Their attempt and, to recover on that seems pretty fine. And Greg, I will say if if you if you're reading it that it would create XXX tokens, then it is cheap. But if it created <laughs> XXS tokens, then it would be really it would be really cheap as opposed to being expensive for just one. So you got to think of it in context. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually not. T- I don't think it's too terribly expensive for what it does. Yeah, given the fact that that you are getting a body out of it, and the body is is pretty like like reasonably large at that at that stage of the game. I mean, I I don't think that it's bad. I'm not I'm not saying that it's bad. It just seems even if you just seems- get a four four or three three, it's that's still uh, relevant. And plus, there there are situations where you could actually benefit from destroying your own creatures, and you could sure. you can build around it that way. But I agree. I mean, the other thing is that it's, if you think about it, the fact that Wrath costs four mana, you're paying two mana and no cards for, like, a 3-3 three, three or bigger. Right. And people, fair, play, fair. people have played six-drop Wraths a lot in the past, like, past, so we'll see. Right. Is it my go next? Yeah, the card we foreshadowed, like, ten minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Praetor's Council is mine. It is five green, green, green. 
and it is a sorcery. Return all cards from your graveyard to your hand. Exile Praetor's Council. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. One question. Why is there no mention of an emblem on this card? Isn't this exactly why they printed emblems? Like, why they made that in the first place? Good call. Anyway, I think this card is awesome. It's great for cube. And in fun formats, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to get into my cube. Well, first of all, that that was the first thing I thought of when I saw Galvanoth card. I was like, what's the biggest, stupidest instant or sorcery I can cast for free? (laughs) So you're going to make the Praetor's Council a Galvanoth deck? (laughs) It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Um, No, I don't But the one thing that this card kind of makes me sad about is just how good Primeval Titan is right now. Because basically... The Titans are so good that you don't want to wrath anything more expensive because at six, you just win the game. Exactly. And for constructed play, like, maybe, maybe. But if you're ramping up and you're getting that much green mana, I don't see why you wouldn't Genesis Wave instead and build a deck around that. It seems like this is very conditional. It's very... Uh... I'm just saying, this would have been sweet that old in the Turbo Land deck from previous standard. True story, True. especially with all the time warps and everything. Um, yeah, uh, Jared, is there any, any, any rules things with this or any interesting ideas you have about it? Um, well, now I'm kind of wondering about the emblem thing. Why I they wouldn't just print it on there? associate emblems with planeswalkers. Yeah, I, I, I think that's why. Like, I can't, I can't come up with a better reason that they wouldn't just make this an emblem thing. That it's necessarily, like, a flavor thing and the planeswalkers are the ones that can give emblems? Yeah, like, because Stigma Lasher, too, they're like, we're not... Whatever, just figured out. <laughs> Why would you make emblems? If, <laughs> that's what their job is, and there's so few things that do it. Because <sighs> you have a planeswalker buddy, and she like hands you, she, he or she hands you an emblem, saying, "Hey, now you got this cool ability." So you have a planeswalker, you can do that. Okay. Anyway, before we wrap up this card, I have a really crappy combo deck for you. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay. Um. So, Prayer's Council, Venser's Journal. And Psychosis Crawler. Okay, stop talking now. Okay, so, so first of all, in case you don't know what Psychosis Crawler, let me just check this, not a list, because it, it shouldn't be. All right, good, it's not. No, nobody counted this card. All right, so Psychosis Crawler, five for an artifact. It's a rare, it's an artifact creature horror, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a star star. Psychosis Crawler's power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in your hand. Whenever you draw a card, each opponent loses one life. Combo! <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. I'm not a big fan. Um, I'm just making a point. Moving on. Oh, wait, but you're not a this card or a psychosis crawler. <laughs> Ouch. Well, I'll say this. I'm not Greg. a. Yeah, I'm I'll not say a huge Johnny. I'll say it's this. Like if you can get, I'll, I'll say this, Greg. If you can somehow get that deck to work, you can before you do load up on your Vencer's journals. And I'm sure you can get them for pretty cheap, and you could make a pretty penny. So it might be worth investing the time into making that happen, because you could make a lot of money with that deck. It's a black um, deck. Oh my god! So, uh, so Jarrett, you are up next, and you actually have one of my uh, the the card that made me kind of go bonkers when I first saw it because of the potential application. So, so what are you working with? Um, my next card is Ink Moth Nexus, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this about me, but I love Infect. It's probably the best thing ever, and I've, I've wanted to play it in Constructed since they spoiled it, um, and it hasn't really been
lowest, but whatever. It's it's basically a two one flyer for one. Like people are comparing it to Mutavault and seeing like they're saying they're gonna play it in Legacy. It's flying. It's better. I think well, it's better than Mutavault. I think this card is better than Mutavault. I think. <laughs> oh, it's for sure better than Mutavault. No way. Whoa. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I disagree. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Okay, keep going. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Say okay, it's now take better, it down. But now. I do think. I do think that. Okay, first of all, I'll, I'll, before before Russ Russ helps, I'll, I'll I'll back up my point. So in in standard, where you have the ability to surround the 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 card with other viable in fact cards, which I don't think is really a statement that you can make in more eternal formats. I think that um, given that possibility, it is better than Mutavault would be in current standard regardless of the type of deck you could make around it with the other cards in standard. Greg, I, I will agree that it is better than Mutavault in standard. Yes, in fact, Mutavault isn't even allowed in standard, so it's way better because you get disqualified for playing it. True story. But in its day, Mutavault was infi better than this because it was a fairy. Right. Oh, and an elf. And yeah. a merfolk. It's also a merfolk, yeah. That's what I was also, It's uh, also a kobold. <laughs> and dwarf. It is no longer however a whippoorwill. True story. True story. That that we don't want to get I into mean, that. That was a sad I'll story. Say this card is way better than Urza's power plant in standard because you can never get that to produce more than one mana. The other two aren't in standard. <laughs> okay, so 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 we've said our piece. Russ, what do you like about it? What 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 what's getting your your juices flowing about it? Or not? Yeah, Russ, I, I I don't know. I I guess I'll have to retract my point. It, it uh, and and. To, as a caveat, I did not play during uh, Lorwyn or uh, Shadowmoor blocks, so okay. well, I, I do not I do sense. not experience the power, and and I did uh, kind of miss the shapeshifter nature of Mutavault. Um, I I don't know. I just I think that uh, the ability to proliferate I think is really something that's unique, and it, the more cards we see in these sets that have that attached to them. Uh, as planeswalkers becomes become more available, and you know, I, I think it's the same thing that we were talking about earlier about expanding uh, access to card pools. Uh, the more planeswalkers get retired out of standard, the more they're available in extended, and they're one of the many cards that really benefit from proliferate spells. And when you add to that poison, you can not only pump up your planeswalkers, you can also get closer to winning the game by killing your opponent with poison. I guess that's one way that I kind of look at it, but you are right. With the, the tribal nature of Mutavault, it, it is probably uh, pretty clearly better than the uh, the Ink Moth. But so I, I, I left something else, though. It's clearly better. Yeah, I, 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 I will concede that it's better on, on, on all the formats where Mutavault is legitimately relevant because of its tribal nature, but the fact that this does have infect means that it it too can be um, pumped in a similar similar um, tribal way that um, Mutavault can be pumped by Merfolk lords and by yeah, but you know, Hand of the Praetors sucks. What's that? <laughs> Hand of the Praetors is not good. It's, oh. it, it, I think it's, I think it might be played into an infect deck. I I don't think so. I think that mother is just better. What about this guy in that uh, that blue green uh, legacy deck that's running Invigorate? For sure. Any no, that card's that, insane. I think no. any deck that's running Infect has to run this in any form. Yeah, no, this card is yeah, auto included. Well, I guess my point there was that the uh, beyond pumping using a, a Lord effect, pumping this guy with any kind of pump spell 
is something that's going to double the effectiveness of that spell. Yeah. So that's something to think about. I mean, giant growth isn't really all that great in in extended, but it's something to think about. I mean, the the thing, my biggest thing about this card though is I think it's amazing in infect decks, but I think it's basically unplayable in decks that try to win using that whole, that damage thing. Yeah. Disagree completely because I'll tell you why. Even if you're just running it as a colorless land, being able to, when you need to, block a flyer and give it minus one, minus one, or when you need to block something that doesn't trample, is totally relevant and is totally playable. Uh, but so you want to use it as flying quicksand? Yes, kind of. Because quicksand is seeing infi play right now, so John's right about that. <laughs> no, 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 not in Constructed. I'm talking about oh, limited. Limited, you played oh, all limited. Limited. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were yeah, talking about. Constru- I thought you were talking about limited. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I, I think. I, I think part of. The, I mean, I think a lot of the conversation was actually about constructed, and I, and yeah. I just yeah. think that your point's not that bad about constructed, actually. Well, I did read something out about the card though. Stopping for mana that I can use, but whatevs. I thought you. So, okay, I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about if you had like an infect sealed pool or something. Okay. okay. Oh no! I will. I will never not play this in limited. Okay. Okay. So let's let's uh, move on. We spent a lot of time, I think, the most on Ink Moth Nexus, but it is awesome. Good call, Jarrett. Um, Russ, we got your card next, which is super super baller. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I for sure soiled myself when I read this guy. Uh, Massacre Worm, uh, black 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 three for a six five creature worm. Uh, Phyrexian, when Massacre Worm enters the battlefield, creatures your opponent's control get minus two, minus two until end of turn. Whenever a creature an opponent controls is per- put into a graveyard from the battlefield, that player loses two life. This is a mythic. Um, so it's basically uh, infest on a stick combined with uh, Calastria Highborn without paying for mana. But it only infests your opponent. Right. So, in other words, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this card, this, we actually referred to this card earlier in the, in the show a couple times when we said the Worm, and like the best card in the set. Well, it's probably not better than Worm. This is the card we're talking about. This card, so, like, I think everybody, the- I think everybody, like, was fighting to put it on their list. Yeah. No, I, it yeah. was going to be number one on my list, but then, um, t- but someone else had it first. So, of the four mass removals... In the set, three of them are Phyrexian. What's the like, fourth? The uh, Slag Storm. Storm. Yeah. Okay. So there's like, there's four, four mass removals. Four there's four like six like conditional removals, which is insane. yeah. So hmm. three of the four are Phyrexian. I think that's crazy. Yeah. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. I guess yeah. everybody knows what uh, what faction they're picking for the pre-release now, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going Phyrexian. But I think it's. I, I wasn't even thinking about the mass removal. I just think that the having access to the infect because they're pushing it so hard in this is pretty crazy. I don't know if you guys took a look at it um, or not, but the amount of infect cards in this format as compared to the last one. Last one had something like 19 out of 234 cards, so right around 8%. This one has 20 out of 155, 12%. Well, that's that's a flavor thing. Yeah. Like, the last set was 20% Phyrexian and 80% Mirin, and this one's supposed to be split. Also, in the in the pre-release, since you're just going to be having Phyrexian packed, it's going to be like a fourth of your cards are going to be Infect dudes. Yeah. Well, I, I saw the math somewhere, actually. It, you're going to pull maybe 18 uh, 
Like the average is 18 Phyrexian infect guys. That's insane. That's a lot. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of them are bad. But that means you get to play um, redundant good ones. Yeah. Which is crazy. I don't know if a lot of them are bad either. I think there's... A, there's, there's yeah, I think... Only like one or two... Black Cleave is shit. Yeah, Black Cleave. Black Cleave! <laughs> okay, but that's in... I mean, that guy's in, in Scars, not... Yeah, but you're C- getting three Scars packs. Right. Right, exactly, but... If if we're talking about eighteen infect dudes out of the three faction packs, no, 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 no. that's total. Oh, total. Okay, gotcha. That's still like eighteen infect dudes is a huge number of infect dudes. Yeah, that's way yeah. more than you run in a, in a typical even a typical draft deck. Exactly. Well, yeah, but the problem is that you're not going to be able to kill them by poisoning because they're just going to die to your massacre worm. <laughs> Good call. Touche. So wait, did we did we go over all of massacre worm? I mean, we went over all its abilities. Yes. But- um, Did you say the casting cost and everything? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry, I'm getting lost in the conversation What's the, here. So, six drops these days. Ridiculous. Although, well, Max... Yeah, you, that's true. I guess this guy will definitely kind of extend Battlecruiser magic, uh, even if the Titans aren't reprinted in M12, which is kind of, I think, I mean, where I mean, a lot of everybody's expecting it to go. I mean, Although, by that same line... Wormcoil did the same thing in the last set, so... Right. Yeah, Plague yeah. costs a lot less nowadays. Good call. Right. I, I hope the Titans aren't reprinted just because I'm not sure how much play this dude's going to see until Grave Titan goes away. Agreed. Yep. Well, he, he well I actually he, like him as a sideboard um, card against Grave Titan. Yeah, he well. kind of ruins Grave Titan. Kind of. Like, just kills them. <laughs> eh. I mean, you like ate them, but then they still got a Grave Titan. Yeah, but they also lost eight life and all their dudes. Yeah, plus you're and running this deck with, like, Grasp. Or something, or go for the throat. No, it's. I like it a lot. I really like it a lot. But I wish. I feel like the Titans are kind of oppressive for deck building, just because they're so good, and it makes other expensive stuff so hard to justify running. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the other thing with this is that um, it's it's so black heavy as it as it should be. Flavorfully, this this should be very right. black. Um, it does have the three it, it, the three black 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 in it. Um, so as a result, it's, it's going to be harder to, to build around in the natural um, two or three color decks. I mean, you're so you're saying Model Black Control is going to be a deck? No, you're not. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not getting on that ridiculous train, but um, Model Black something. Um, yeah. Sounds sounds like fun. Who wants to play Chase? Well, Splash Chase. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you don't make Jace and then blue, 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 as you should. But anyway, we can move on. Okay, uh, let's do that. And Greg, uh, you have the next card, so what do we got? Yeah, so this is one that um, I noticed nobody really had on their list, and I thought that it was kind of like a... It's kind of obvious, but at the same time, it shouldn't be ignored just because it's obvious, um, which is Hero of the Bladehold. Or of Bladehold. It's, uh, it's a white... Um, three, four creature human knight, which costs, um, two white, white, uh, it's mythic and it's got uh, a couple abilities. So first of all, battle cry, which is a new keyword. Um, whenever this creature attacks, each other attacking creature gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. It also says whenever hero of blade hold attacks, put two, one, one white soldier creature tokens on the battlefield tapped and attacking. So you've got you, this guy, which is a three, four. You, you put when he when he swings, um, which is 
turn four, turn five, um, you put two one ones that are attacking that are effectively two ones because of battle cry. So you've got two, four, seven power worth of offense on turn four or turn five. That's pretty nutty. Uh, and assuming you have nothing else going on and you have like zero other creatures that are being affected by the battle cry. It's make sure everybody, those, uh, Moto kids listening at home that you stack those triggers right. Um, because if you put the, uh, the make creatures first on yes. onto the stack, it's going to not increase their power. So keep Yeah, them. you definitely want to put Battlecry on the stack first. Um, also note that, um, Hero of the Bladehold, or of Bladehold is a human knight, and the, um, tokens that come into play are soldier creature tokens. Um, so if you want to try and make like a, like a knight deck, um, oh. You, you certainly can. You can. You know, the, there's the knight lore that is makes other knights um, indestructible. That's great for the hero, but it won't affect the tokens because they're soldiers. Um, so just be kind of aware of that as you as you play with it. This seems like a really fun card for like um, for cube for for standard. Brisk heights. What was that? Wind brisk heights. Yes, wind brisk heights. Um, that's a good call. That I is some tokens. Um, like I'm uh, not just, and it, it's one less than Cloud Goat and attacks for more damage. Yeah, although it doesn't have the ETB effect. Um, True. So, uh, who do we have next, and what do we have next? Well, yeah. see, before I'm next, but I was just wanted to get other people's thoughts on kind of how you're evaluating cards with Battle Cry, because it's kind of like they have oh, more power and kind of like they don't. So, so like, I think of the card. So first of all, I want to make a comparison to another another ability and then talk about how it's different so okay. um there's exalted and somebody said that it's like reverse exalted i think that's a, a really fine way of putting it exalted has the disadvantage um of the advantage of it of of the creature that it's that it's on being able to use it so when that creature attacks it, it gets the exalted trigger or potentially multiple triggers but it it encourages chump blocking which is not really all that much fun you, you can you can chump it with you know whatever however big your dude is if it's a 10 10 you can get you know block chump block whereas battle cry encourages lots of alpha strikes and i think alpha strikes just are a lot of fun in limited so in terms of your question you were asking like kind of how good it is in terms of how to evaluate it. i'm not really sure exactly but i do i do think that using exalted and kind of thinking about it as a reverse exalted is definitely the, the way to start that conversation. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I think when I think about it, I think it's more like it's encouraging people to play poorly by overextending, which it seems like we've already mentioned, you know, some of the sweepers in here. And given that it's a smaller set, it's more yeah. likely that you'll see those. So I think that uh, it definitely encourages you to put a lot of your guys on the board and to constantly attack and that is fun, and I can see why Wizards wants to push that. On the other hand, um, I think that a lot of people are going to get blown out because they're overextending to take advantage of this dynamic. They're going to get massacred, so to speak. So to speak. Cool. Um, By a worm. Oh, oh, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so, Max, your card? Yeah, so my card, so I decided enough of all these, you know, powerful good cards. So the card I'm excited about is Mirror Turbine. So it's a five mana artifact. You can tap it to get a one one mur, 
or you can tap it and five other mirror to basically uh, tutor a mirror, uh, another mirror out of your deck and put it into play. So I think this card just in limited and possibly also in block is just going to give you a lot of value and be fun because you're just, first of all, it's like almost instantly by itself gives you Metalcraft forever. Um, and second of all is that later in the game in like say block constructed, you're basically just going to be able to get as many mirror battle spheres as you're, as you can handle. So I think it's going to be interesting, but I could just be wrong and it could be terrible because it's a five man artifact that gives you a one, one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's terrible. Ouch! <laughs> Feelings hurt, Jonathan! <laughs> you know it keeps it real. Um, okay. Um, well, one thing I want to note about this card, I think we should move on, because it's, I mean, he, he noted that it's not terribly excited, is the fact that you can you can tap, um, it says f- tap five untapped mirror you control. It doesn't necessarily mean those the mirror that is generated by the mirror turbine. So if you've got four in play, you'll be able to use that ability like the second turn. It's not that unfeasible to be to, to think that you can do that um, multiple times and reasonably short by turn five or turn four or whenever you're actually putting this guy out. Volte key mirror turbine dot deck. Mirror <laughs> That's not awful. <laughs> okay, you guys oh, can play that deck, and I'll play Green Shatterstorm deck. Um, so the next uh, the next card we have is mine, and it's Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas, uh, which is a Planeswalker. It's the the one that we were actually talking about quite a few shows ago that we knew was going to be spoiled, and it is two blue black. It comes into play with three loyalty. It has three abilities. Plus one, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest of the bottom of your library in any order, which I think is significant. It's not just at random. Uh, second ability, minus one. Target artifact becomes a 5-5 five, five creature. Third ability, minus four. Target player loses X life, and you gain X life where X is equal to the number of artifacts you control times two. So that's kind of cool. Um, Jared, I know that you had some thoughts on this card. Uh, why don't you go ahead and share those? Oh, um, so I left out earlier that Ink Moth becomes an artifact, so you could make him a 5-5 Flying Infect, uh, but he he actually still will lose Flying and Infect at end of turn, um, but he'll stay a 5-5, and then you have to activate him again and then use Tezzeret's ability again. <laughs> but that totally works if you want a 5-5 Flying Infect guy. Which is a good point, because a lot of people might not know that, and potentially that situation could blow them out. So thanks for pointing that out, because um, people might think that it still maintains, you know, it it kind of intuitively makes sense that it doesn't, but from a technical judge perspective, you're saying that that is not how it works. So we, we want to keep our listeners up on the um, on the latest and greatest. I think my only two thoughts on it are the following. One is that it's cool because it's a planeswalker that can protect itself with a 5-5 blocker, uh, which is always good. So it's kind of like Garrick in that sense. Um, two is that uh, any planeswalker that goes up by drawing cards, I like. And this goes up by and, and lets you draw cards, which is cool. Um, so I think it's going to be really good. It's no Jace. Uh, I don't even know if it's a Koth. But I think it's going to be really good and very powerful in the decks that utilize it. Uh, although, obviously, it's very narrow. Why does its ultimate have to be so sucky? What? Because it's drawing cards because of the plus ability. No, I think his ultimate is awesome. Eh. So narrow. It's yeah. really narrow. Somewhere between the two of you, I think. 
I also think I hadn't actually thought of basically turning your artifact infects into guys that kill them in two hits, which I think yeah. is awesome. That's... And the and, but then it's ultimate is completely worthless if you're doing that. Yeah, but they're dead because you have three five five infect guys. True. <laughs> but I just like I just wish its ultimate did something other than cast um, absorb this. I don't even see his ultimate on this card. Like, I right. I want to I want to open this guy and then second pick liquid metal coatings. <laughs> wow. Wait, so if you liquid metal didn't coat say that. Your, <laughs> liquid metal coating your lad, that makes it a five five forever, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. and and there's a sweet clause like in the comprehensive rules that if you make something an artifact creature, even if it doesn't say that it keeps its types, it does. So like you you get a land a five five land creature forever. That is awesome. That is pretty sweet. They admitted that printing liquid metal coating with the word permanent on it was a huge mistake. I like that. I think it's cool. It gives a lot of options. Let's just throw lands and stuff. Yeah, I'm actually considerably more excited about this card than I had been since it was first spoiled. Now that you mentioned that, it seems like it's way more like feasible to actually build a deck around. Five I mean, five it, necropedes. No, I, I think well costed. His plus his first two abilities are awesome. I just wish that his ultimate ability was cool. Well I think uh his ultimate ability is, is relevant sometimes and you know it's fine. The other abilities are powerful enough on their own. Um but we'll see. Uh so let's go ahead and get to Jarrett's next pick. Uh what do you got for us, Jarrett? Hello, hello, hello. Testing, testing. Three, two, Sorry, one. I lost the page. Um, so my next pick is Master's Call. It's an, a white instant for two and a white. Uh, and it, it puts in two 1-1 one, one artifact mirror tokens. Uh, and it's important because it's an instant. Like, it pretty much guarantees you Metalcraft, and it's a combat trick. Like, this card is insane. It's a, it's a common, right? Yeah. Yes. So you'll probably get blown out by it if they're playing Mirren and have some are awake are like don't have Metalcraft at the pre-release. Yeah. So so now people have another white instant to play around like this and dispense justice. Yep. Seems this one, fine. This one's this one's more like I think this one's more versatile than the dispense justice. Though I wouldn't compare it other than its versatility, um, and obviously its cost, but. Uh, like SP. I think that you can use this defensively or offensively. I think I think that this has a lot of really interesting ways of of trying to blow people out. I I love combat tricks like this, especially combat tricks that um, not only like have a way of, of of pumping your guys, but also like having the a net result of adding adding guys. Um, it's kind of like join the ranks. Yeah, it's exactly yeah, like except, the ranks. except better. Great comparison. Well, I don't know if it's better. Well, it, it doesn't cost four. So it doesn't cost four. So, it, but yeah. join the ranks triggered all those come to play abilities. With oh, definitely. No, I mean it's but it's a join the ranks that doesn't like make you want to go cry in a quarter if you don't have stuff that's synergistic with it when you have to play it. True story. True story. Uh, yeah, I think for for constructed, it's it's definitely uh, better. But I think that something Wait, it's something like better than limited. Does anyone talk about constructed, Jonathan? No, 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 no. Sure, no. Okay. I mean it. It's really good and limited, but in constructed, this card single-handedly enables that shape a new combat or uh, combo right. with uh, Blightsteel Colossus. That's a good call. True. Um, Still. Okay, so uh, 
Sorry, I had to let uh, my girlfriend in, so I missed part of that conversation, which is why I thought you were talking about constructed. I mean, uh, limited, or, yeah, whatever. Whatever I said. <laughs> All right, so, Master's Call. Any further thoughts on it, Jarrett? Nope. Okay, well, let's move on then. Uh, Russ, we got you next. Yeah, next up, Sphere of the Suns, which is a two-casting-cost artifact. Uncommon, Mirin. Sphere of the Suns enters the battlefield tapped and with three charge counters on it. Tap, remove a charge counter from Sphere of the Suns, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Um, Applications for this one are probably pretty much exclusively in standard or... uh, yeah, I would say constructed in general, probably just standard. I think this is uh, pretty quickly going to replace uh, Everflowing Chalice as the two-drop signet uh, variation for uh, control decks and, and other ramp decks that want to get their mana up there. Um, and I think it's definitely pretty strong. It comes into play, doesn't it come into play tapped? Yeah. Yes. Which means you can't play it on turn three and still have mana leak up. Yeah, I, no, I don't but agree I that it's going to play it on it. turn two, and not just hand. like I could with the. Uh, I guess I, I I had assumed that a lot of decks were kind of going with a turn two chalice when they were interested in in ramping, but uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I I am not uh, as connected to the standard community. So anybody is that a- accurate? Is that not accurate? <laughs> um, I'm still trying to find the card. I. I, was, I mean, I also think that there's a lot of situations where only being able to use it three times and then basically it being dead is going to make you very sad. Just because you're, you are basically only developing your short-term mana, which is not necessarily what a deck that's playing Signets wants to do. I'm worried. I disagree. I think decks that are playing Signets are going to want to use uh, cards like Venser and be able to phase it out. Um, so it could it could be relevant in that sense and get you more mana later while helping you ramp up early. The two casting cost is aggressive and good, um, and I think that for some decks you just need that extra little boost early on. Also, the fact that it's any color is definitely relevant um, and could have you know it could open up other options that that uh, were are hard to consider right now because we're not you know we haven't played with it we haven't tested with it, but. Uh, I like it. I think it's a great card, um, and I think that it's definitely... It's not as good as Chalice. Right, Chalice, point. But Chalice is really good. But it's very good. I think Sphere of the Suns is a, is a good card. It's solid. It's also one of the few fixing cards that this set has. So, oh, it's also... It's amazing and limited, I think. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Like, it's just because... It's just gives you um, ramping and fixing immediately, and then a random artifact to either chuck at something or have metalcraft with. Definitely, yeah, I think it'll definitely help people uh, splash those bombs that they need to get in, especially in sealed. Right, it's like I think that's a good description. it's like a mirror that your opponent just doesn't just randomly instill infection and blow you out with. Right, good call. Okay, so Greg, uh, you got our next one. Uh, what do we got for us? So this one, this one's actually gonna be pretty quick, just because I think that anybody who listens to podcasts is gonna hear about this. Um, if you haven't, though, you really need to. This is a card you need to know about, especially if you care about constructed formats in particular. It's called, um, uh, Thrun, 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 uh, Thrun the Last Troll. Um, people are probably just going to call it Last Troll, and then they'll probably call it Thrun, or whatever its actual name is. But anyway, um, one second, there you go, I found it. So it's, um, it's a green 4-4 that costs, um, two green green. Um, 
first of all, a very relevant part before I move on to the other text is that it is a legendary creature. Um, so as you're evaluating this card, be very aware of the fact that it is legendary, which from an EDH perspective, if anybody wants to use this card, it doesn't really seem like a very good general, but um, it is legendary. Uh, so anyway, it's a mythic troll shaman that is uh, says Thrun, the last troll, can't be countered. Relevant. Um, Thrun can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. Relevant. And it also says for um, colorless black... Regenerate through. Call it green. Green. It's green. green. Sorry. Blech. Yeah. Way worse um, black. Um. Yeah, it would be. So anyway, it's okay. it's a mono it's a mono green card. But anyway, so I, like, there's not a whole lot of, uh, of that we really need to talk about because I think this card is going to be uh, overly covered. It's very good. It's um. It's very con- It's it, this is like the constructed card I think of of the set. Um. Other it's than definitely the, the money rare. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, well, Taz is the money is the money rare, but it's the second most expensive card in the set. Yeah, it's it's it's. I I think most of the time I'd rather have a option of Bailoff, but it definitely is good, and it's definitely going to see. I think it will see EDH play, um, but it's definitely going to possibly see play in other formats too, like extended. Um, it holds swords very well. He is a Mirin card. Should probably say that. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, Max, uh, what, what card do you have for us next? Uh, so next up is, the, uh, purely for limited, one of the cards I'm excited to see back, which is Phyrexian Rager. It's a, um, shockingly a Phyrexian card. It's two and a black for a two-two. When it comes into play, you get, you lose a life and draw a card. So basically it's just lots of value. Basically get a two-two and don't cost a card and then trade it for whatever and then you're ahead. Absolutely. Uh, it's pretty pretty well said. Uh, yeah, it's a nice spiky card. I mean, we don't have to really get into it, but it's yeah. very efficient. Uh, so next we have my card, which is Mitotic Manipulation. Um, I think that that's uh, probably my favorite card of this set. Um, although so it's on your list. Or fourth. Eh, because I just put it up randomly. But actually, I, was, I know why it's not, because it was random. It's because I was going through color by color, and blue happened to be below the others. Um, but in the, in the one I was looking at, but Mitotic Manipulation is one uh, blue-blue for a sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may, put, you may put one of those cards onto the battlefield if it has the same name as a permanent. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. I don't know if this will be any good, but it feels very powerful, and it feels like a potential blowout card in the right uh, settings, and I think blue has a lot of library manipulation, and I think it's kind of cool. Uh, so... Um, that's all. Anyone else have any thoughts on it? It's not very good at finding Jaces. True story. It's not good at finding Jaces. Unless for some reason you absolutely positively have to get yours off the table. Which will never come up. Okay, so uh, we actually already went over Jarrett's next one, so we'll move right ahead to Russ. Yeah, and my last uh, my last card for our favorite spoilers is Decimator Web, and it looks like uh, there's sparked a little controversy among our, our group of, of folks. The reason I like Decimator Web is is uh, it does put a 10-turn clock out there on just about every win condition that's possible within the game. Um, the the place that this is really going to be useful is in limited, where the size of your deck is going to be more uh, applicable than uh, the other 
win conditions. Obviously, if you're playing an Infect deck, this is a way to uh, proliferate just for Infection uh, poison counters. But uh, especially if you're playing online in those uh, four-pack sealed queues, uh, this is going to be probably about effect- as effective as Keening Stone was back in Rise of Eldrazi for uh, really quickly milling people out in limited games. So that was the one area that I thought it might be uh, pretty interesting um, those were my thoughts on it, but it's it sounded like Max had had a a, a, a problem with this card, so I want to hear his thoughts. Yeah, so basically, I think it is just my least favorite card in the entire set. It's just a card that's completely at war with itself because you're never going to want more than one of its effects. So it makes people lose life, which is cool. It makes them get poison counters, which is cool. And it makes them get milled. But those, all three of those things only matter when one of them is causing you to win the game. So you're basically pl- paying a hefty mana premium to get what's basically fake versatility where you're only in any given game going to want one. And it's costing you four, and then it doesn't do anything. And then four, and it's still not doing anything. And then after you've paid about 16 mana, it, it will do something. And meanwhile, your opponent will be killing you with their monsters. Although, if you do get to kill someone with it in in I'm, any in any way, you do get to do the Mortal Kombat fatality, and you can do even a fatality dance if you want, because it's going to be pretty epic. They push the triple kill here. I don't know. I, I got to be honest with you. If if there was an artifact in uh, Scars uh, Limited right now that I could draft, that was an artifact that sat on the table for four mana casting cost, and then activated for four mana to deal two damage to my opponent. I would probably run that in in most of the decks I drafted that were looking to win by damaging my opponent. Okay, since since you made that point, um, it is a Phyrexian card, so I don't Good know call. how likely that is. Um, Certainly not in the pre-release, but I mean, once the pre-release is over, uh, everybody's got to remember that the faction packs are going to go away, and we're all going to be drafting Phyrexian and or or Sealsing, uh, Phyrexian and Mirren cards at the yeah, same they're, time. They're, so they're, they're still split though. Like the there's the pack will be split into one faction rare and then three uncommons from the other faction. Really? Okay. Yes. I was not aware of that either. What? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, uh, so I'm so every besiege pack is five Phyrexian commons, five uh, Mirren commons, and then um, a one three split rare uncommons where yeah the rare is one faction and the three uncommons are another. Huh. Oh. Not foils though don't matter. You can pull foil for Xing cards in anything. Like, I, what? I just think that four is just so much mana for something that doesn't do anything. I, I agree that it costs too much. Like eight mana for a poison counter is not. If I pull this, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah. Um, I, don't get me wrong though. Um, I would play this card. And by don't get me wrong, I haven't actually given my <laughs> opinion to. to make that make sense but like you if you're playing um so so occasionally you've got a crappy pool where you don't really have you've got you've got a couple like infect rares but you don't have a lot of infect cards and you play you play cards like the um the the green trigon that's just a little too slow and you don't really want to ever have to play but it's yeah it's but that not card's bad as a controlling card what's that I, I think the green trigon is better than this card way better uh, I'm not disputing that either. But I'm talking about the car- the deck that you play that card in. I think you're better off playing Golden Urn. You play this card in. I think I'd rather play Golden Urn. Yeah. I although I, I although I've come come around on, on Golden Urn not being it's pretty awful. Um, like 
Yeah, Golden Urn is is pretty awful. It's not as awful as I thought it was at the beginning of the set, and there's definitely some some applicable situations. But really, my my opinion on this card is that it's just lazy design. I mean, it, that's 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 my frustration with it. I think okay. that the majority of the set is really elegant. Sure. I think that we've given Disseminator Web a lot of time, and we are running very sl- sl- uh, slight on ours. So it's decimated our remaining time. We it has decimated it. It's poisoned <laughs> us. We've lost life, and uh, my library is running out. So I'm let's move, move on, on to Green uh, Sun. Green Sun Zenith is my next card. Um, sure, it's another in the the the, the Zenith like series. Um, this one is there. It is all right. So um, it's a again. It's a a rare sorcery. It's green. Um, green X, search your library for a green creature card with converted mana cost X or less, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Um, shuffle Green Sun Zenith into its owner li- owner's library. I think this is constructed playable. I think this is um, limited playable. I think this is even, not not just um, standard playable, I think this may even be eternal playable, which is pretty crazy. So, what do you guys think? It's real good. It's very good. Uh, let's move on to Slagstorm. Max. Okay, yeah. So my card is Slagstorm. It's one red red for a sorcery, and it's a Mirren rare. Um, and basi- what it is, is it does three damage to all creatures. If your opponent has three life, instead you win the game. Whoa. That's really good. Like, it's basically just Fire Spout. That's a little harder to cast if you want to hit ground creatures, but a little easier to cast if you want to hit flyers and... Once Firestorm rotates out, I think it's going to see a ton of extended play. If there's Agrogax in standard, I think it's going to see a ton of, ton of standard play. And if your opponent's at three, you can kill them. But otherwise, you should never hit them because it can hit players or all creatures, and it should almost always hit all creatures. Okay. Um, let's see. Is there? Did we miss a card, Greg? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still looking at the chat, and I'm misunderstanding this. Uh, no, where are your card, John? Okay. Uh... Let's see. So my card is Fuel for the Cause. It's two blue blue for uh, counter spell, uh, two blue blue instant counter spell, uh, target spell, and proliferate. Um, like I said, I like proliferate. I also like counter spells, so I like this card. Um, but let's see. Are we missing a relevant card here? I nope. my show notes are we are we around. I think we've hit everything. Okay. Is that is that right, Greg? Are we good yeah, to move on? Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on. We went over this, went over this. Um, so do we want to give a brief so, over um, Grand Prix? So one thing Grand that I really want to talk about, um, first of all, everybody pre-releases is this weekend, the release is the following weekend. Um, but, but specifically, something that was mentioned is the fact that there's going to be three packs of a faction during the pre-release and then three scars. And then the release event is going to be like all sealed events going forward, which is three regular Mirrodin Besiege packs and then three packs of scars. Um, The difference is relevant in one very, very specific and important way. Um, All of the packs that um, the dealers have for the pre-release weekend are going to be the faction packs. They have enough where literally everybody can walk in the door and pick the same faction. And as a result, all of the prize support will be of the opposite faction if that were the case. It will be a little bit of a mix if it's a little bit of a mix of people actually picking. This is relevant because that means 
all, not part, all of the prizes are going to be faction prizes. Faction drafting is lame. What's that? Which is awesome because drafting is lame and no one likes doing that. (laughs) I love the sarcasm because it makes my point, which is that I'm extraordinarily frustrated by the fact that for the entire week, between the pre-release and the release event, I have no ability to draft this set the way that it is intended, which is really lame given the fact that it's the first time we're going to have a like second set be drafted first, and I won't have the opportunity to draft it right after we go to the pre-release, which is the way that I like to draft. And it's exceptionally important because both Jarrett and I are going to GP Denver, which is happening in um, like three weeks, which is not much time at all. It's literally the week between pre-release and release. The week after the release is um, Pro 2 Paris, which which is going to have, like, drafting of this format that people are only going to have for a week. And then the week after that is GP uh, Denver. So there's literally going to be two weeks from the time that it's actually – we actually have mirrored and besieged cards in our hands, uh, which is really, really, like, shitty – unfortunate for us. I don't – so the solution to this is to win a, a huge number of faction packs, crack them all, then put them all together, and then reseal them and make your own packs. It's, it's, it's a solution based on what, on what Jarrett said earlier. It's not ideal, but it is a way of, if you've got one person that does that, uh, or you, and, you, and, you, and you set them up for a group, that is a, a viable way of, of cleaning it up. Um, and you also have the ability... You also have the ability with a lot, a large amount of them, if you want to do like a sealed tournament or something, like as a small group, you can also do the same thing. It, it gets a little messy because you've you've got an uneven number of packs, right. but at the same time you've got an even number of players. It, it will work itself out, right. but in right. a not particularly clean way. Um, so that was that was one thing that I really wanted to bring up because it, it's something that it is has been really frustrating to me as a person um, that is going to GP Denver and wants to break it open because it's not going to be available online. Um, prior to GP Denver, so it's just it's going to be like there's a crazy opportunity, but I'm actually losing an additional week of of testing. Right. So, but it's not actually losing because everyone has the same. Uh, cor- cor- correct. Deficit, Everybody. So everybody's losing. It's actually not, on equal equal footing, but yes. Um, we gotta wrap up because we're really pushing past the time limit we set ourselves for. So I wish we could talk about this stuff a little more, but let's let's go through the emails quickly and then uh, and then we're gonna wrap the show up. Uh, First thing is actually from a while ago. I just didn't see it. The people wrote comments on the show. Um, CPA thirteen uh, is glad that we're back and we do an awesome job. The roots is so money. Agreed. Probably my favorite rap group ever. So good call on that. CPA thirteen. Thanks for your support. Also, Casby, uh, uh, we appreciate your support. Thanks for giving us a shout out on the notes. And there's two other emails. One is with. Patrick Lasky, who um, is a listener to the show, but he actually just wrote in for the first time a few days ago, and he, first of all, I don't know if, I I never talked to this guy before, and I don't know if he writes anywhere, but he's a phenomenal just writer and an interesting brain for the game. He basically wrote us about our last episode saying that the argument that Greg and I had was kind of like two bolts um, missing in the night, we were talking about two separate subjects, and he pointed that out. And Greg and I discussed that after the show, and and we agreed. He he makes some interesting points about the differences between this format and say Rise of Eldrazi. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your feedback. Keep sending it, and 
if you're not writing for a site, you seriously should because you uh, have a great mind for the game and uh, very strong uh, writing ability. Next, uh, we'll quickly go to uh, the almighty Jin, who is a friend of the show, uh, Nick Bonham. And I personally think it's the best podcast around. Um, the Jin's Playground is great. It comes out once a month, and if you're not listening to it, you should. Uh, his last one is great. He just came out with one, and uh, he um is uh excited he's he's going to be uh doing some vendor stuff at his pre-release um and he also gave us a nice little shout out on the Facebook page that we got picked up by Channel Fireball so thanks man and uh keep on listening and putting out those great shows that's all we have for our listener feedback uh and we'd love to hear from you guys more so please uh do give us more feedback let us know what you like what you don't and if you like what we offer tell a friend or two like i said before and and uh um that's all i got for today uh russ you want to help us wrap up the show any closing thoughts I think, uh, like everybody, I'm very excited for the uh, the pre-release weekend. Are you guys gonna um, play in uh, pre-releases on both days? Yes, I'm actually gonna go to the midnight one uh, in Milwaukee over at Silver Spring Games and Hobby. Uh, nice. They're throwing in an extra from the Vault Relics if there's 28 or more people and an extra 24 packs of prize. So that's kind of cool. Definitely. Yeah, there's already there's already like there's over 20 pre-regs there, so. Um, like I'm pretty confident that that's going to happen. So I'm also I'm also going to the the, mi- the midnight pre-release. Yeah. Um, and Jared, you said you had a midnight pre-release over there, but you're not going to that one. Yeah, it's, it's like I, I wouldn't have a ride. It's up in um, Niles or something. I don't know. Up by Chicago. It's a pastimes event. And uh, Max, how about you? Um, I actually have something I'm going to on Friday with friends. But if it's over by midnight, I'll probably drive over to one and play anyway. I don't sleep. Okay, Uh, cool. Well, uh, then if no one else has anything else, I guess we can wrap it up. Yeah, I I definitely want listeners to to check out our our Facebook page if they haven't before. Uh, We're also on Twitter. Um, Twitter, primary purpose of Twitter for us is to, whenever our shows come out, that's like the first place that they're released. So if you want that, like, cutting edge... um, checking out our show that's definitely a place to check us out um and feedback we we love feedback on on facebook uh and and emails uh our email is forspikes at gmail.com uh and then uh thank you both to mcg cast and uh again to channel fireball it's awesome that uh you guys honor us with uh, <laughs> putting up two of our two of our shows that's pretty fantastic absolutely thanks so much Jarrett, max and russ for joining us uh you guys as always did a great job Thanks for having us. For sure. Yes, thanks. Adios.